Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversation with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. All these guys who run these organizations who talk about analytics, they have one thing in common. They're a bunch of guys who ain't never played the game, and they never got the girls in high school, and they just want to get to the game. Welcome to VEASAN's Hardwood Handicappers. As you guys look at me, you see the backwards hat, the uh, gray socks, the funky outfit, and you say, now this guy's a chump, am I right? Not a geek. Now here's your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. What's up, folks? Welcome in. It is Hardwood Handicappers. New time from now on going into the postseason for the association. 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. for those of you on the East Coast on these Sundays as we get you ready for the postseason, which begins, yes, in earnest. In about 10 days, the uh, play-in games will begin. Next Sunday is the final day of the regular season. So the next seven days will be awesome. And then, of course, we'll be with you throughout the postseason journey. Good show on tap today. Uh, Coming up, guests include Aaron Redding, professional handicapper. He'll be with us at the top of the next hour. And in 30 minutes from now, arguably one of the hotter teams because they've won about five, six games in a row, Brad Rowland's going to be with us, host of the Locked On Hawks podcast. We'll discuss the Atlanta Hawks who find themselves in a pretty interesting position after a big win over the Brooklyn Nets on Saturday. But we begin with everything going on right now. First off, we have two games that are set to get tipped off right now. Just to give you some updates on numbers, where these things are going to close, and a brief handicap, nothing much, though. Uh, New York and Orlando, the, the uh, Knicks, man, I've been studying baseball. I was about to go Yankees on that one. Uh, the Knicks on the road against the Orlando Magic, five-point favorite, some spots five-and-a-half with a total of 215-and-a-half. Uh, the notable injuries for the New York Knicks, at least, that we thought were going to be pretty impactful. Quentin Grimes is going to be available for the Knickerbockers today, so that's a pretty big uh, deal for them. Um, if that's going to be impactful in terms of a minutes restriction, we have yet to see. But market responding and such as we are up to five for the New York Knicks on the road against the Orlando Magic. Knicks been playing solid basketball since the beginning of March. And the other that is about to begin, Philadelphia 76ers on the road against the Cleveland Cavaliers. This one of relative importance, and this one in the same realm too. Philadelphia five and a half at a couple of spots with a total of 225 or 225 and a half, depending on where you shop for your numbers. Cole Anthony, excuse me, Cole Anthony. Uh, Darius Garland, who was questionable to play, haven't seen a uh, actual update yet on whether or not he is going to be available, but we'll, uh, we're going to assume with the number moving toward Philadelphia, that's not going to be the case, but we don't want to assume anything in today's day and age. Um, but regardless, pretty big deal for Philadelphia. They have not been playing pretty good basketball at this point right now, unlike the New York Knicks, and it looks like Garland is going to be available here uh, for Cleveland. But Philly, it's it has people wondering to a certain extent whether or not they are tanking uh, to get out of maybe the top and avoid the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, but we'll see, and we'll talk about later today, whether or not the Brooklyn Nets are even going to make it into the bracket at this point right now. So Philly up to a six-point favorite with a total of 225. You see on your screen there over at DraftKings. Now, before we get into what we have planned here, we should also note that we have 214 left to go in the fourth quarter between the Denver Nuggets and the Los Angeles Lakers. Lakers playing without LeBron James today. Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook doing their best 
uh, to give the Lakers a much-needed win, and now a full game behind the San Antonio Spurs for that 10th and final spot in the play-in, or yeah, I guess 10th and final, uh, the 4th and final spot in the play-in, the 10th seed in the Western Conference. Uh, fourth quarter, not really going well for the Los Angeles Lakers, down 122 to 116, 154 left to go here. Uh, Avery Bradley getting picked on quite a bit by Nikola Jokic down the stretch. Seems like almost consecutive plays. I think it was like uh, two out of four possessions. Uh, they went to a little off-ball screen uh, to Will Barton, who just torched Bradley. He rubbed him off on the screen, hit a corner three. And uh, right now, after a bucket from Jokic, it's 124 to 116. Again, Lakers, they need to keep this in mind, too. The Lakers not only need to keep winning, um, they can't finish with the same record as the San Antonio Spurs. Spurs have the tiebreaker, so they have to best the San Antonio Spurs when it comes to a spot for the play-in situation. I would say odd that LeBron James didn't play today, but you never want to um, guess and speculate on a dude's injury and how it's going there. So again, we got 124, 116. Nuggets are starting to slow it down here a little bit with 113 left to go in the fourth. So uh, well on their way to cementing a win. And a big win for them too, by the way, because Minnesota, which we'll talk about a little bit later, has a relatively easy uh, game today. And they're, of course, jockeying for position after a loss the other day to Minnesota. Only two games up, Denver is, for the seventh seed or for the sixth seed ahead of Minnesota. So with that, let's talk a little bit about some of the bigger stories in the NBA. I wanted to begin with the Golden State Warriors because we get the report during the week. Steph Curry, done for the rest of the regular season. He's going to be reevaluated before the beginning of the postseason. Well, let's go to Adrian Wojnarowski, works for ESPN, of course, as you know. He just signed a contract extension. Uh, but let's hear from Woj about the details on this and what the Warriors are thinking as we head into the postseason seven days from now. The, the Warriors just announced that Steph Curry uh, will be out the rest of the regular season Ooh. And then he'll be reevaluated ahead of the playoffs. Uh, he'll get back on the court next week and resume basketball activities, uh, the team says. But I'm told this that there's a lot of confidence, both Steph Curry and the Warriors, that the ramp up next week. And then remember, as long as they somehow don't fall into the play in, which is almost impossible at this point, and they've got that week off between the end of the season and the start of the playoffs that Steph Curry is expected to, as long as he stays on course here, be back for the start of the postseason for the Warriors. Listen, they hoped, and Steve Kerr reiterated that just now, uh, that you know they could get him in one or two regular season games before the playoffs. That's not going to be possible. Uh, but he may have a really a good full week of practice of that team getting back on the court with Steph Curry and Draymond Green and Klay Thompson, have a little mini training camp and then get into the postseason. So, you know, there's some reasons to be encouraged uh, for the Warriors that they can get him back whole before the start of uh, what they hope is a significant playoff run. I would say encouraged is strong there for the Golden State Warriors, but it does sound like they're going to get him back. The play-in situation, right, that takes up that week leading into the postseason gives injured players some extra time to get ready. John Morant, uh, one of them, too. And Golden State the other night. We'll get into the Utah Jazz side of things of this outcome, but coming back from down 21 to beat Utah uh, the other night. It was yesterday. Uh, that was just their second win, though, since losing Steph Curry to injury. And I think this is this is part of the troubling aspect of a report like this, right? It was, hey, reevaluated in two weeks. Everything should be fine. But that's always the trick with being reevaluated. There's a really good chance that not everything's fine when you're reevaluated. And note the language of Woj's report there. He's going to get reevaluated again in a week. So there's perfectly there's a there's a universe in which it's perfectly plausible that Curry is still not ready by the time the play in round is um, all done and said. Now, with that, what I also kind of worry about here is let's just say that he is reevaluated and let's say that he's gonna come back. What, like, what about the continuity between him and the guys out there on the floor? 
which we'll get to in a moment. But for those who don't know, since Curry's injury, two and six straight up, three and five against the spread in those eight games. They have a negative 5.2 net rating. Their offense has been bad, very bad. 109.9 points per 100 possessions in non-garbage time minutes. The six game, or excuse me, it's an eight-game stretch. Still, though, over that small eight-game stretch, 28th in terms of offensive efficiency for the Golden State Warriors without Curry on the floor in those eight games. And you just look at the way that they're playing – and it's there is not much in terms of shot creation. They're not there's not much in terms of dribble penetration, forcing the issue within four feet of the basket. You look at some of the numbers, their shot profile the last eight games, for example, only twenty-seven point one percent of the Warriors' attempts have come within four feet of the basket. And while they shoot 68% on those attempts, still next to nothing in terms of frequency of rim pressure when you're out there playing offense. Their frequency of mid-range attempts has spiked. With Curry on the floor this year, they only take 26% of their attempts from mid-range. Without Curry out there these last eight games, a third, over a third of their shots have come from the mid-range area of the floor, and they're only shooting 40%. So they're taking an inefficient shot, and they're not shooting efficiently on said inefficient shot, which has led to some pretty poor offensive play. And their frequency of three-point attempts, somewhat in line, a little bit less, but still not shooting at a very high clip, just 35.1% without Curry out there. And their half-court offense has just been garbage, just flat-out garbage. And it speaks to the fact that there's not much in terms of dribble penetration, attacking off of the bounce. Curry can do that as well as other things. And so now when you look at this for Golden State, and we're starting to get a little tight here, right? We're just painting a beautiful picture. He's saying, hey, man, Warriors aren't worried. But you know what? The Warriors also exuded that non-worriedness when it came to James Wiseman, who they just ruled out for the rest of the regular season this last week as well. Not saying that Curry's going to be done for the rest of the year, but you always have to take these reports for a grain of salt. On this show, we have talked about multiple players who have come out with reevaluation status after certain weeks. And some guys do come back, and some guys come back early. I.e. Chris Paul, who came back somewhat early after that hand injury that he suffered, right? But other guys who are supposed to be reevaluated, like a um, Zion Williamson, who was supposed to be reevaluated two weeks after the regular season started, is not going to play for the rest of the regular season. Joe Harris, who was supposed to be reevaluated after four to six weeks and eventually had to undergo surgery, and he's not going to play for the rest of the season. And so that's what gives you a little pause here, I think, when it comes to Steph Curry. And when I talk about the continuity, yes, him, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, they have won championships together. They have played together for a really long time. But this is still a very different team around these three. I mean, Thompson has come out and said that himself about trying to fit in with this group of players out there. And, I mean, think about it. When you look at some of these numbers, they have been on the floor together this year, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, and Seth Curry, for 11 total minutes. If you look at cleaning the glass, we're talking about 22 possessions. So you understand the history that's there, but now you're talking about fitting in guys that weren't there for those championship runs. And I think that's a little bit of a different story when you're talking about building up continuity. And it's not even the same, like Clay Thompson, for example, not the same guy. He's been playing well and he played extremely well. It was a really big part of the Utah Jazz comeback the other night. But still, for Clay, points per 100 shot attempts, 106.5, a career low, only shooting 37% from three. And it's, you know, like, it just worries you, I think, a little bit about the Golden State Warriors as we move forward here. So their odds have slowly been drifting. They're in the range of 950, depending on where you look. And I think at some point, you know, next week, obviously, we'll tell. But if Curry's going to be out for that extended period of time, even farther, I think it's something to worry about here for the Golden State Warriors as we kind of look ahead to the postseason in the final seven days. All right, with that, we're going to come back. We have plenty left to get to, of course. We just got started here on Harvard. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. 
and you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Candy Hampers, we're with you for two hours uh, every single Sunday. Let's talk about the Nets when we come back because the Nets have lost uh, three of four. They have fallen into 10th in the Eastern Conference, and their defense continues to be a pretty big problem. And last week came on here, and I was like, look, man, uh, I'm, I'm kind of tempted. Like, I think Milwaukee is the best team in the Eastern Conference, but I've been tempted watching this team offensively. But these last couple of games, if you've been watching for the Brooklyn Nets, there are some real issues for them defensively, and I think ultimately it holds them back in the big picture. Don't know so much about the small picture because they got a hole to climb out of in the Eastern Conference. But in terms of winning the East and being the best team in the Eastern Conference, I've definitely overcome my temptation and am no longer tempted by that. By the way, we are final over in the City of Angels. 129-118, to 118, the Los Angeles Lakers fall to the Denver Nuggets. They are now 31-46 and 46 for the game and a half out of the 10th seed in the Western Conference with the Spurs as double-digit favorites today in their matchup against Portland. Not looking good for the L.A. Lakers. We'll come back with that and much more here at Hardwood Handicappers. It's Vsin, the Sports Betting Network. Wendy's Breakfast is the official breakfast of March Madness. Every day, choose from Wendy's stack starting lineup like the breakfast baconator, croissant combos, and hot or cold coffee. And like any great team, Wendy's is bringing the breakfast legends. Oven-baked sizzling bacon, fresh cracked eggs, perfectly seasoned breakfast potatoes, and simply OJ to bring it home. Make a fast break to your nearest Wendy's drive-thru and pick up your Wendy's Breakfast, the official breakfast of March Madness. Choose wisely, choose Wendy's. All right, so uh, we roll on today at some point. Oh, we'll probably get to it in a couple of minutes. Something weird happened on uh, NBA Twitter over the last few hours, after a, another blown lead from the Utah Jazz, a defense, a, a rabid defense of Rudy Gobert uh, overtook social media. But we'll get to that at one point, because I am one of the uh, tried and true and ardent defenders of one Rudy Gobert. But let's bring up what we were discussing, and we're going to get more on this too, because again, Brad Rowland, uh, Rowland's going to be with us in 15 minutes, host of the Locked On Hawks podcast. Just watch the Hawks up close and personal, beat the Brooklyn Nets. But it is worth noting here from Brooklyn's perspective that uh, things aren't really going well, right? Again, Three out of four, and now you're in 10th place in the Eastern Conference. And the most recent loss, while it wasn't the worst defensive performance in the world, it was still a troubling defensive performance. And after the game, Kevin Durant was asked about this and presented it as such. What are you seeing with the defense lately for your group? Yeah, we fouling early. I mean, we put them in a bonus early every quarter. 37 to 14 free throw makes, like... And it's not because of the refs. It was like because we reaching and being undisciplined and just playing too aggressive, you know? That's the game. They shot 42% from the field, which is great defense. Uh, uh, 40, yeah, 42, 31 from the three. They out-rebounded us by two. Had one more assist than us. 
turnover game, but we still got more shots up than them. So it's like just fouls, and we can't do that if we want to be a winning team. I mean, to be fair, it's a little bit more than fouls, but still, yesterday was that was a really big difference uh, for the uh, the Atlanta Hawks. And from an offensive efficiency standpoint, though, when you look at this uh, offensive rating of one sixteen point two for the Atlanta Hawks, it's below average defensively for the Brooklyn Nets or for any team in that regard. In the half court for the Atlanta Hawks yesterday, an offensive rating of ninety eight point nine. Again, below average if you're playing defense on any level in the NBA. And through transition, that's where they really killed Brooklyn. They added 6.7 points to their offensive rating through transition. 145 was their offensive rating in transition plays, period. And um, some of it was off steals, but most of that was off of live rebounds. And like this is the thing here for the Brooklyn Nets. This defense really bothers me. When you watch them play, they are very talented, extremely talented. But when you throw out some lineups that have offensive ratings of 130, but a net rating of only 2.8 because you're barely outscoring opponents because while you're incredible on offense, your defense has been atrocious, that's what's happening with the Brooklyn Nets. And you see the standings there. They are 10th. They're not going to fall out. Every team below them has been eliminated. These are going to be your top 10 in some form or fashion in the Eastern Conference. But when it comes to a play-in situation, just look at the teams in front of them, for example. Outside of the Cavaliers, in, in the last 10 days, they have lost games to both the Hornets and the Hawks. Actually, in the last seven days, they did. That was last Sunday that they lost to the Charlotte Hornets at home. That was Kyrie Irving's home debut for the season. So this is by no means set for the Brooklyn Nets. And then you get into some of the numbers behind some of their better lineups. Their most frequently used lineup with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. You have Seth Curry, Bruce Brown, Andre Drummond with them. They are only plus one per 100 possessions because their defense gives up 122 points per 100 possessions. And to Kevin Durant's point, opponents make 20 and a half free throws per 100 possessions. So to the point of fouling or defending without fouling, that lineup has trouble doing it. That same lineup, they give 102.4 per 100 plays in the half court. It's really bad. And opponents in transition, plus 4.6 points added through transition play according to cleaning the glass against that starting five. That's their most used lineup with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving out there. So now, right, and you, you, you kind of zoom this out and you go, all right, well, sure. In a one-game situation, did they beat the Atlanta Hawks that have not been good defensively? Yeah, but the, just yesterday, they, uh, just yesterday, Kevin Durant scored 55 points and they lost. So again, it speaks to the issues they have on that end of the floor. If they're not going to play well and their opponent, because right, at least if you were in the 8-9 and nothing's written, they could still find their way to the 8-9 area, or excuse me, the 7-8 uh, matchup and have two bites at the apple. They, they could find themselves in a potential to lose a game and they'd be okay. But regardless, now you put yourself in a situation where you don't have room for error, where you can't lose a game. Because if you do, that means you're not even making it to the postseason. So a preseason favorite, not even making it to the postseason. I think it'd be a while since we've seen that. That's pretty, that's pretty astounding. And they have nothing to blame, nobody to blame but themselves for their level of defensive play. And, and that's what's kind of gotten me off here. Like I said, yes, last week I, I watched them. I was kind of in. You know, and, and it had been kind of games leading up, right? That Philly game on the road where they just blow out the 76ers, which 76ers, it speaks for themselves how poorly they have played, especially on the defensive end of the floor themselves and in those non-Embiid minutes. But I think you got to be pretty worried now if you are somebody who has backed the Brooklyn Nets, has a future for Brooklyn or any sort of, you know, in Brooklyn fan, whatever it is, the Brooklyn Nets are on thin ice now, especially when they find themselves in 10th. Uh, don't have the tiebreaker with the Charlotte Hornets and just lost to the Atlanta Hawks, a team that they're going to play again in the playing situation. So we'll get more on that with Brad coming up in about 10 minutes from now. And I wanted to expand on this too, because actually I made one more bet. I'm done with futures in the NBA, but I did make one more 
and it actually was on a team that played earlier this morning, the Dallas Mavericks, who beat the Milwaukee Bucks. We'll get to that game in just a couple of minutes, but let's touch on the Utah Jazz, and, and we'll expand on the Western Conference, too. But what's been happening with Utah has been fa- fairly astounding. Uh, the other night, Utah blows another big lead, as we kind of touched on uh, just um, a couple minutes ago. 21-point lead over the Golden State Warriors. They are now two games back, two and a half games back from Dallas for the fourth seed in the Western Conference. It was the third blown 20-point lead for the Utah Jazz this season and second in a week. As we know, they blew that 25-point lead to the Los Angeles Clippers. Via stat muse, the the Jazz have lost six out of seven. Their only win coming versus the Lakers. They have blown a 20-point lead in consecutive losses. So, of course, it has not gone well for the Utah Jazz. And I think a lot of people, when you initially think about blown losses, or believe me, blown leads and losses in games, which we've had big double-digit leads, you think, man, that defense stinks. What's going on? But it's not. It's the offense. And I thought Candace Parker uh, over on TNT, this is actually after the Clippers loss from last week. But just think about this, right? After we just watched what happened with Utah, listen to what Candace Parker has to say here and think about how eerily similar it sounds to what we just watched transpire in San Francisco on Saturday. Question, just real quick. Yes or no? Rudy Gobert should get more than seven shots. Oh, of course. All day. He should get. You agree? I agree. He how do, get how do we get shots? those shots in today's game? He should get six shots oh, and six drop-offs. No, I'm just asking. That's what I'm asking. When he, he should rolls get six down calls. the lane. He should get six calls and six drop-offs. That's 12 shots. But when he rolls down the leg and a little switches on him, why are we, throw, like, shooting why three. are yeah, you throw it to shooting a three? Like, I would get tired throw of playing off. defense. If you roll down the lane, you know you're not going to get the ball. D-Way, how long are you going to run up and down the court and play defense? Oh, and he running. still does it. 16 <laughs> rebounds. Two shots. Like, I ain't running out. Two shots for Gobert in the second half. I don't get it. Two no, shots in the second half. It's what you saw yesterday. It's exactly what you saw yesterday. There were multiple possessions where Rudy Gobert gets switched onto Jordan Poole. He has him sealed off, walled off underneath the basket. Donovan Mitchell ignores it and elects to hit a either tough, try, try to hit a tough jumper, step back three, or kicks it around to try to find another jump shot. There were multiple possessions like that. And if you look at some of the numbers now behind Utah as you move forward, how about the offensive rating in clutch situations? So, again, games that are within five minutes, or excuse me, within five points and less than five minutes to play. So you found yourself in a clutch situation again last night after you blew a big lead. Offensive rating for the Utah Jazz, 106.9. They're 16-22 and 22 in games that are in considered clutch situations. Again, deficit within five points, five minutes or fewer to go in that contest. And you saw that yesterday again. They had a big lead. They blew it. And then in a tight game that's within five points, the offense grinds to a halt. And they ignore multiple easy buckets for Rudy Gobert. And yet at the end of the day, talking heads in social media, all we do is go, (laughs) Rudy Gobert, uh, what a clown. He can't play. That's not the issue for Utah. It hasn't been the issue for Utah going back to their blown series to the Los Angeles Clippers that didn't have Kawhi Leonard a season ago. Their offense completely falters in some of these crunch time situations. It falters when you're talking about these games in which they have these 21-point leads, 25-point leads. And yes, their defense fails too, but their defense fails because one of many reasons, one of the primary reasons being Rudy Gobert surrounded by a bunch of really poor on-ball defenders. They can't defend worth a lick. Donovan Mitchell gets caught on screens more than any dude that I can, and that's hyperbole, but Donovan Mitchell regularly gets caught on screens and his guy will be open for three-point shots. Quinn Snyder deserves some criticism as well because he just consistently last night had Rudy Gobert playing in drop coverage. And so Clay Thompson decided to hit, I think it was three consecutive threes on them when they were dropping Rudy Gobert back. 
And when they bring Rudy Gobert up, the middle of the floor is wide open, and these poor on-ball defenders are getting beat on cuts and things of that nature. This is, it's been incredible to kind of watch this narrative with the Utah Jazz and Rudy Gobert and their failings. Because for some reason, whether it's because he is a European basketball player, whether it's because he plays center, which is not a great position, it's not a sexy position, Rudy Gobert has become the fall guy for the failings of a Utah team that have been terrible around him for a really long time. And you're seeing this again now, and even more so, now there's rumblings around this team of discontent, whether it's Donovan Mitchell, who's rumored to maybe try to force his way out either this year or next year. The Knicks have been tied there. Teams like the Dallas Mavericks and the Toronto Raptors and the Charlotte Hornets have been sniffing around Rudy Gobert to go and get him. So this seems like a pretty big postseason for the Utah Jazz who come to it limping because they have been absolutely atrocious, losing six out of seven games and failing to hold on to these big leads that they have carved out for themselves lately. All right, well, we'll get to why I bet the Dallas Mavericks to win the Western Conference. It coming up in about 15 minutes or so. But on the other side, let's talk about those Atlanta Hawks. Brad Rowland's going to join us next here on Hardwood Handicap. Since Hardwood Handicappers. Now here's your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. How about the week that's coming up? Opening day and the opening round of the Masters, the same day. So that first week of April, jam-packed. Of course, we get the national championship game tomorrow. Betting intel from our experts is a must. We're going to have breakdowns of every golfer in the field, plus futures bets and matchups from the long shots. Brady Cannon, Wes Reynolds, Matt Eumann. Sign up today. Get full access to VSIN through the start of baseball season, the Masters, the NFL Draft, the last week of the NBA regular season for only $19 at vsin.com slash spring. All right, let's continue our conversation about the Atlanta Hawks, uh, the Brooklyn Nets to a certain extent, Eastern Conference. Uh, Brad Rowland's with us, host Locked on uh, Hawks podcast is where you can find him. Uh, Brad, appreciate the time, man. You are in New Orleans. Uh, so what was the atmosphere like yesterday to – relatively decent. Okay, the North Carolina Duke game was better. Uh, but what what'd you make of the atmosphere? What's been going on down there? I would assume it's raucous. It's New Orleans, and now you get the Final Four down there. Yeah, it's definitely uh, pretty crazy. You got the four very large fan bases, too. You know, these Blue Blood programs have lots of people coming into town, and it really was crazy, even for the early game on Saturday, and then it became sort of a level up for that uh, monumental North Carolina Duke clash. But, uh, yeah, certainly wall-to-wall uh, madness down here. Do you have any, any initial thoughts on the uh, the championship game tomorrow? I lean Kansas probably um, just, I think they're a little bit more talented top to bottom. And then there's the, uh, the Baycott injury sort of lingering out there. If he's not hundred percent, then I'm not sure what, what Carolina gonna be able to do there. Yeah. I am. Uh, I am hoping for a Kansas win and a North Carolina cover uh, from a futures ticket. I bet on Kansas before the season started. So hopefully if I'm going to be, if the gods allow it, I'll be a happy man tomorrow. <laughs> uh, all right, let's talk about the Hawks then. So uh, this team has all of a sudden found its stride because it looked, uh, I don't want to say dead in the water, but it was definitely limping around. Now five straight wins capped off with the win over the Brooklyn Nets the other night. So I will just ask this, what has changed over these last five games for Atlanta uh, that has allowed them to win these five consecutive? They've been a little bit steadier overall. This entire season has been sort of a stop start for the Hawks. They were, of course, having all kinds of expectations coming into the year after their run last season. And the biggest challenge for them all year long has been just maintaining consistency and intensity. And even early in the year, they were talking about being bored by the regular season and all kinds of stuff like that. I think they've just kind of lost a bunch of games that they shouldn't have lost. And in this recent run, they've won five in a row and 10 of the last 13. It's mostly just like beating teams that they're supposed to beat. Obviously, Brooklyn was a little bit of an outlier last night because the Nets are pretty good, of course. But even in that game, the Nets were kind of shorthanded and Kevin Durant went pretty crazy just that they were able to stop everybody else. So the defense has been a little bit better. 
offense has been great all season long, and they've kind of put it all together uh, when it kind of matters most. And I think it's not really a coincidence. This team is sort of playing with the bright lights on, and they're used to that at this point. So I, you mentioned, like, the stop-start nature, and that's what's left me – like, I'm very hesitant to write them off, right? Because you meant, like, they had the big COVID issue at the beginning of the season. At, at times, they had, like, 13 guys on the injury list. It was ridiculous what this team had been dealing with at one point this year. So I'm hesitant to, like, to, to look too much into the season-long numbers. But I kind of wanted to focus on them defensively because – I, I find it odd, Brad, when you look at them, like I feel like a team with Clint Capella, um, with Hunter, with Bogdanovich, like that should be a better defensive team than the numbers have dictated, even going back to last year at stretches. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that as long as Capella has been on the floor for the last year and a half, they've been respectable. But when he's not on the floor, they've had all kinds of challenges. And also, um, but I, I think the supporting pieces have been a lot worse this year. You know, right now they're operating without John Collins, who's not this world-beating defender, but he's certainly better than the backup options. They have Gallinari, who's a pretty bad defender. Of course, Trey, of course, Lou Williams. They have some weaknesses. Bogdanovich has been battling knee issues all season long. It's been a, sort of a step slow on defense. So it's, it's uh, at the same time kind of a talent issue in some spots and also just a cohesiveness issue and an intensity issue because when, when, they, when they're locked in, they do play reasonable defense. Capella has been fantastic the last two or three months, so, sort of recapturing his form from last season. But Honestly, a lot of times they're just too many holes. They just won too many holes on the floor at all times for this defense, and it kind of caps their ceiling. Although they haven't even sort of up to go up to the ceiling at this point in time, they're uh, sort of playing down the competition at times. But uh, on, on the right night, which I think we saw last night, with the exception of being able to not not be able to stop Kevin Durant, they played good defense. Actually, as ironic as that might sound, the Nets scored uh, not that many points per possession despite Kevin Durant's outburst last night. What do you think's behind some of the poor transition defense? Do you think that's just effort? Because like if, from the metric standpoint. By cleaning the glass, 29th in opponent points added per 100 possessions, 29th in overall defensive efficiency in transition. Is that just kind of like, hey, you just you guys got to get back? Or is there something that you've seen uh, when teams are getting back off of live rebounds or, you know, off of steals? Uh, they're pretty bad there, too, but a lot of teams are. But the live rebound numbers are pretty poor. What is it behind them just not getting back in time? Yeah, I think some of it's effort, and also some of it is just the fact that um, you have you have some guys who, when they get back, are uh, decent enough. But like Trey Young's a bad transition defender, obviously. Yeah. Gallinari's kind of an all-time bad transition guy right now because he he just cannot change into the floor. And Capella, while he's been better at this lately, early in the year was sort of lumbering a little bit. And when he was back, he was okay. But they don't have a lot of like straight line speed on this roster, which is kind of an underrated thing. They, they don't change ends very well on offense. They it could sort of have uh, Trey sort of you know dialing it up, being creative. But on defense, just honestly changing ends without John Collins in particular, they're pretty limited there. And they have guys who, and they're also the sort of the masters of the take foul. They love to do the sort of the giveaway. And if they, if they miss that, then it becomes a three out two the other way. Yeah. And what's, what's more incredible about all of this, we're talking about how poorly they've been playing defensively uh, by cleaning the glasses metrics. It sorts out the garbage time, 26th in the defensive efficiency, still a positive net rating because of the dude you're talking about, Trey young and what he's been able to do offensively. And I say, when I, when I think about Atlanta, I have no worries about them matching up offensively with the team. And we just saw it the other night. They took advantage of Brooklyn. Uh, it's the defense that has worried me. So let's talk about how they match up moving forward here. You know, right now uh, they have moved past Brooklyn with that win. Brooklyn in the 10th seed. What do you expect from them as we kind of enter now the last week of the regular season and as we enter now prepping for these play-in situations? Would they want to see, I, I think, now that's not a fair question, right? They'd probably rather see a Charlotte. How do they match up with Brooklyn outside of what happened the other night? Because Kevin Durant, we played a clip from him. He thought it was more about Brooklyn fouling and putting the Hawks into certain situations as opposed to what the Hawks did. Yeah, I think I think Durant's correct. You know, part of that is the Nets 
have some defensive weaknesses, so that's, they're not going to just suddenly go away. But they definitely, you know, fouled a ton. And outside of Durant, no one else really played well for Brooklyn in that game. So I'm not sure how much you can take away from it. The Hawks did play well in their own building, and they have some pretty, some pretty substandard uh, home road splits this year. Uh, if they have to go on the road, it gets a little bit more dicey, which is why this closing stretch has been so important for them because now either they're either gonna, probably going to be the, the home team in the 9-10 or maybe even get into the 7-8, and that, that way you're challenging. And at least you have one home game on the agenda. I think everyone wants to avoid Brooklyn for obvious reasons, just the fact that you have to deal with Kyrie and Kevin Durant in a one-game scenario. But the Hawks are not afraid. That's the one thing about them, and as you sort of touched on it earlier on in this conversation, is that they're dangerous, and writing them off is not a wise decision because they do have Trey Young, and they have experience. This is a team now that's done this two years in a row where they've sort of gotten hot in the second half of the season, and that gives them some confidence that um, a lot of teams don't have that are in this range. So I'm glad you brought that up because there was a stretch at the beginning of March uh, where, you know, because we we obviously cover this from a gambling standpoint, and I get lost in, like, spread results and things like that. And while they were winning some of those games, uh, they were not covering, and they weren't coming close to covering them. And right now, they're one of the uh, – we'll call them one of the worst cover teams. They've only covered 44% of their games at this point. And what I'm using that for is there is a perception and a respect still for this Hawks team. Like, a lot of people in the market still see this team – as the one that made it to the Eastern Conference Finals a year ago. Is there a difference between this team and that team? Because they seem personnel-wise almost like the exact same. It's just the results and the numbers are a little different. Yeah, they are very similar. And uh, to your point about the spread results, I, I try to always share the, the point spread before every game. And a lot of when they were losing early in the season, Hawks fans were like, why are the Hawks favored in this game? I'm like, look, the power rating is still the power rating. They're not, uh, I mean, teams are, uh, evaluators are going to look at this roster and say, this team is not as bad as their results are. And part of that's the win-loss stuff. Part of that is the fact that they had injuries that they had earlier, the COVID absences. But I think that this is certainly closer to the same roster, same results as last year. And at the same time, they got fortunate last season. I think that was definitely the case. What had happened in the playoff run, they, they ran into a pretty a pretty uh, shaky Knicks team in that first round series. And they also ran into a, to a Philly team that had some pretty glaring weaknesses in the second round. And like the Hawks had to take advantage of those and credit to them for doing that. But I don't think anybody within the industry thought that they were quite as good as the results were last year too. So it's somewhere in the middle, I would say. There's still probably a team that's in that, you know, four to six, four to seven range in the Eastern Conference in terms of like actual talent. But at the same time, they've uh, been playing better recently, and that kind of uh, sort of brings back the memories of last year. So right now, and these are taken down during these games, but in the range of uh, two to one to make it to the playoffs. So that would be, of course, winning the play and making it uh, to be one of the final eight seeds. Are the Hawks a playoff team? I kind of like them to do it now, especially after this run, because if they get in that seven eight and had and have two chances. The odds of the Hawks putting together a complete game one out of every two times are pretty strong. Their upside, I think, is a lot higher than Charlotte and a lot higher than Cleveland. Obviously, Brooklyn's another animal, but I think if you give them two chances and only one of them could be against Brooklyn or none of them against Brooklyn, that uh, gives them a lot better chance to uh, sneak in. So I think if you asked me this two weeks ago, I was definitely leaning no. Now, after this run and where they are on the standings, I think I'm back, I'm back to leading yes. We, we saw them beat Brooklyn. How they matched up with some of these play-in teams this year, Cleveland, Charlotte, Brooklyn. I think they had, a, if I remember correctly, they had a negative net rating against Charlotte but I think there was a lopsided result mixed in there. Yeah, there was. I mean, uh, they actually lost um, early in the season to Cleveland in a game that was kind of shocking at the time. Cleveland was supposed to be bad. And then you realize that Cleveland actually isn't yeah. bad. Um, but then the Hawks just beat the Cavs shorthanded by 24 points this last week. Charlotte's been pretty, you know, it's sort of nip and tuck in that series. They lost by 10 on the road in Charlotte. So I think that, um, you know, nobody's going to be afraid of the Hornets or the Cavs on this Hawks roster. They have an experience edge. That in my mind, I have a talent edge against these current teams. So I think that I'd be pretty, I'd be pretty optimistic on either one of those spots. Brad Rowland, again, you can follow him up on Twitter, BT Rowland, uh, R-O-W-L-A-N, uh, Locked on Hawks podcast. I've been following him for a while. Great follow if you need some Hawks news. Brad, thank you for the time. Really appreciate it, man.
Thanks for having me. You got it. All right, so we'll come back. Uh, we're going to get back to the Utah Jazz, and we're going to talk about that Western Conference outlook, too, because uh, we got that 14-1 to ticket now in the Dallas Mavericks. We got a big win on the road against Milwaukee earlier today. But we also have some games that are set to tip off earlier in the day, so let's talk about those on the other side. Now here's your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. This segment of Hardwood Handicappers brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. Zen Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties, and they come in two strengths so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zen America's number one nicotine pouch, available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, Meaning it's never been easier to find your Zen. So visit Zen.com slash find. Locate a store near you. ZYN.com slash find. Warning, product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. So uh, we are um, a lot to get to here. We only have about an hour and 15 minutes left. Time flies when you're having fun. I'm having fun at least. I hope you are too. Okay. So four games that are set to tip off here in the next 20 minutes. Let's get to those first before we get to the rest of the topics we had planned out. We'll start with Miami Heat on the road against the Toronto Raptors. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, a big game, an important game. Toronto still trying to uh, maintain their pace. They're a half game ahead of Chicago, and they're two and a half games ahead of Cleveland. Cleveland uh, right now against Philadelphia. By the way, we were wondering whether or not Darius Garland was playing or not, and uh, this is why you don't speculate until you get confirmation. He is playing, so Garland is out there for the Cleveland Cavaliers who are up ever so, uh, ever so slightly over the Philadelphia 76ers, 37-25, so... Cleveland off to a pretty good start there. But bring that up because all these teams still jockeying for position. And over the last five games, a lot of things can happen. So Toronto opens up as a two-point favorite here in this matchup with the Miami Heat. As it stands right now up on the screen, upwards of five and a half with a total of 214. Reason for the move? Well, Jimmy Butler's not going to play today, as we know. And uh, Toronto slowly getting healthier and has been playing really good basketball. Coming into this, 11-2 straight up, 10-3 against the spread in their last 13 games. They've outscored opponents by 8.7 points per 100 possessions over the course of this 13-game run, in large part due to this defense. In, I don't even want to say finding itself because this just team, this hadn't been healthy, the Toronto Raptors. Uh, Van Vliet, this run coincides with his return to the starting lineup regularly after missing five consecutive games. He's missed two of the 13. Uh, and OG Ananobi has been back in the lineup for the last five. So this team is now healthier. They are one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. And, of course, they have one of the best coaches from a defensive standpoint and a game plan standpoint in Nick Nurse. So this is going to be a really dangerous squad as we enter the postseason. 
But when you look at what they're elite at, defensively in the half court, 94.9 points per 100 plays allowed during this run. Transition-wise, how about this transition defense? This is one of one of the best, and I got to fill in on Follow the Money over the summer. And uh, when I was on one of the days, we got to talk to David Thorpe, and one of the things that I brought up to him was, you know, this Toronto Raptors team looks like they're going to be pretty good in transition on both ends, and he wholeheartedly agreed. And this team, when they're fully healthy, absolutely elite when it comes to transition, both offense and defense. And during this 13-game run, points uh, added per 100 possessions for opponents, 0.3. They're getting nothing in the fast break against the Toronto Raptors. And against Miami, which while they have won three consecutive games, we know some of their weaknesses. Half-court offense has been kind of a problem for them. They kind of they like to be opportunistic in transition. They don't run a lot, but when they do, they're somewhat efficient. Toronto should be able to shut that down. Now, at this point, when we're talking about upwards of five and a half at a couple of shops, you've missed the boat, and it's going to be Miami or nothing. Because, again, you're running out to the window and going, Raptors are healthy. No Jimmy Butler. I'm going to lay this. Those things are factored into the number, as you kind of know here at this point. So, again, it would be heater pass, but Toronto in a pretty good position here to win this game and maintain their situation uh, when right now in control of that fifth seed and staring at a 4-5 matchup with Philadelphia, which i got to tell you right now, I don't think the Philadelphia 76ers want any part of that matchup. Uh, but that's another day. That series would be pretty fascinating. And uh, make it a decent plus price there on the Raptors to win that thing against the Philadelphia 76ers. We mentioned earlier the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now, they were dealt a little bit of a blow today, mainly because the Denver Nuggets won their game. Now, they're looking at catching the Utah Jazz, who continue to flounder. Jazz, of course, as we know, blew that 21-point lead. Jazz have fallen as far as sixth now. So, Minnesota has an outside shot of catching them, but they got to continue to win. they got a good shot of doing that today. Open up today as a 12.5-point favorite over the Houston Rockets. Now, as you look at the board, 13 and a half most spots. There's 14 hanging out there with a total of 244. Uh, injury report, Eric Gordon, Dennis Schroeder, not going to play. Christian Wood, going to be questionable here. So we'll look to see whether or not he's going to play here in the next couple of minutes. Christian Wood, we'll have that for you at the top of the hour when we welcome in Aaron Renning. But Minnesota comes in two and four straight up, three and three against the spread in their last six games. And this is the thing with Minnesota. Love this team. Got a ticket on them, as we all uh, well know, to make the postseason that was bet before the year started. But... This defense can run hot and cold, and right now they're running cold. During the six-game stretch, 119.4 points per 100 possessions allowed, and against a Houston team, which has very quietly been playing some, we will call it, adequate basketball, this seems like a pretty big number for Minnesota. Houston's 5-3-1 against the spread in their last nine games. During that stretch, they have a plus, or they have a negative 0.6 net rating. So again, while you're thinking, well, negative 0.6, it's not that great. Sure, it's not that great, but... It's pretty good when you're catching points in every single one of those games, and a majority of them catching double digits, like in this one, when you're talking about catching 14 points against the Minnesota Timberwolves. So I think the Rockets would be pretty live here, even without the likes of Gordon Schroeder. And again, when you want Christian Wood out there, and if he's going to play, that would be a pretty good, uh, that would be a boon there for the Houston Rockets. But worth noting here for Houston, for those who haven't paid attention, and I don't blame you, it's a team that's about to go under their win total, actually, no, has officially gone under their win total. Jalen Green has been playing really good basketball for them. Their young rookie guard. Green has scored 30-plus points in three straight games, 20-plus points in five consecutive games. And if you look over his last 21 contests for Jalen Green, 21 points per game, shooting 46.6% from the floor, 39.6% from three, 3.7 rebounds, 3.1 assists. Just a pure scoring guard, but he's been looking really good. He's been comfortable. He's been shooting efficiently as well, and it's made a difference. And the market has definitely caught up. Point total prop coming into tonight for Jalen Green, 22.5, shaded to the over at minus 130 over at DraftKings. So 
if you're thinking about getting in on this, if you just noticed, a little late to the party because uh, this has been baked into a lot of these numbers for a guy like Green who's been playing spectacular basketball. Two more to get to, and these are the big spreads also of the day. The, the rest of these games, they lack a little, uh, you know, a little pizzazz. There's a game late that we'll get to in um, the next hour. But Portland on the road against San Antonio. So, again, where you talk about some of these situations where you have big favorites against shorthanded teams who have not been playing good basketball, and this number's up to 15.5 over at DraftKings, as you can see if you're watching the broadcast. All of these things are factored into these numbers. So while my, it might be tempted to go and lay a number like this, it, to me, it's somewhat problematic, and you are not getting the best of the number, as you know, if you've been following betting in any form or fashion. Portland, though, paint the case against them. They have lost six straight games. They are 1-5 ATS in those six since that was the win at Detroit. Remember when Detroit got a little too big for its bridges power rating-wise, and I think they closed like a 7.5, 9-point favorite somewhere in that range and ended up losing outright. But since the All-Star break, Portland, 2-16 and 16 straight up, 5-13 and 13 against the spread, a negative 19.9 net rating. There is little reason to believe that the Portland Trailblazers are going to be very competitive. They lost Trenton Watford about a week ago or so uh, to injury, so that's another blow for this team. They've essentially sat everybody that has any sort of efficient offensive play, so they have nothing from a scoring perspective. But you also have the Spurs here who come into this. DeJounte Murray's a little banged up. They have played well, 5-1 straight up and against the spread their last six games, and they are highly motivated, especially after a Lakers loss earlier today. Uh, they can really kind of put the foot on the throat of Los Angeles with a win here and extend that lead that they have over the Lakers for that final seed in the play-in tournament for the Western Conference. So motivation means a lot, but how much? It only means so much, right? I mean, I'm motivated to do a lot of things. I'm motivated to be a millionaire, yet here I am not a millionaire yet. So, so always keep that in mind. As we talk a lot, a lot of these games, motivation is always funny to me because a lot of the times you get it baked into some of these numbers. The Spurs are actually a really good example. Um, not last was it last week? It might have been last week. Everything time melts together. Um, but they were taking on the Houston Rockets on the road. They had the motivation to surpass the Los Angeles Lakers. So they won that game. That was the first night that they're going to be able to surpass the Lakers in the standings. The market got up to as high as nine and a half on the road for San Antonio, and they won. But they won by three and. In that game, there was a three-point shot from the Houston Rockets that, that we say halfway in. This literally went halfway in and bounced out at the gun that would have tied the game and forced it to go to overtime. So, again, some of these numbers are baked a little high because teams like San Antonio have things on the line, and there's just not a lot of value there. Although it is Portland, and Portland has been god-awful, and they actually just got smacked by San Antonio the other night. And then last but not least, Phoenix on the road against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, the Thunder, the win total decision here is going to be incredible for Oklahoma City. They only need two more wins to go over their win total, but they have been hovering around this mark for a while now, and they have been tanking with the best of them. And now, as they open up a 16-point underdog to Phoenix, now 14 or 14 and a half, Phoenix, though, going the rest route here. DeAndre Ayton's not going to play. Devin Booker's not going to play. Jay Crowder's not going to play. Crowder's due to injury. The other two officially due to rest. But when you look at this from the Thunder's perspective, the injury report is pretty lengthy themselves. And so this is one of those that's easy to kind of scratch off. But I think from just a straight-up win standpoint, they're a 14-point favorite. I get it. Highly likely that Phoenix is going to win. But just watching this from Oklahoma City as we head down the stretch here of the regular season, literally now the stretch, if they continue to lose these games and they don't go over their win total, this would be the second consecutive year in which the Oklahoma City Thunder have burned over betters with a tank job that is for the ages over the last uh, half of the regular season. So we have one more game to preview. We'll get to that because that's a night game. That's not going to tip off until late tonight. Uh, the New Orleans Pelicans are on the road against the Los Angeles Clippers. <clears throat> we'll get ER's thoughts on that too. Aaron Renning will be with us on the other side at the top of the hour. So when we come back, 
We'll talk to ER, professional handicapper, get his thoughts on the last game of the night. Also look ahead to the next few days of the regular season. It's some big picture stuff with Aaron Ridding, who joins us next year on Hardwood Handicap. Make your, make your, make At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.